0: In the most awkward time. Hi, <laughs> All right, so um, Romans chapter 6, we'll start in verse 15. Um, actually, I just want to read verse 1 of that chapter because he, he starts off chapter 6 with a question that he repeats uh, very closely in verse 15. So I just want to match those up before we jump in. So Romans chapter 6, verse 1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin? that grace may abound by no means. And then moving down to verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin Have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, Finishing off there with arguably one of the more famous verses in the book of Romans, uh, one of those verses that we uh, memorized, usually at a very early age. So so we're headed this morning into a section that is very much connected to what Paul's already been saying before. Um, and like I, I noted, he is asking a very similar question to what he asked in verse 1. Um, in verse 1 of chapter 6, the issue that he's confronting is the idea that we should sin in order to gain more grace. All right? Verse 1, shall we are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Um, so should sin be pursued so that grace would increase? Right, And obviously that is incorrect and he, he works through that and he talks through that in the first 14 verses. Um, and then he comes to verse 15 and it's it's a, a connection right from verse 14. So I'll, I'll read verse 14 here. For sin will have no dominion over you because you are not under law but under grace. And then a uh, a question comes up. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? Um, and so we're not here confronting the issue of sinning to gain more grace, but rather we are confronting the issue of sinning because of grace. Right? S- a subtle difference, but certainly a difference. Um, in verse 15, he's saying, should we pursue sin because we are free from the law and we are under grace? Right? So we're not sinning to gain more grace, we're sinning because we have grace. Right? And so that's what he's going to tackle here in verses 15 to 23. The, the overall point is the same. Does grace, does the presence of grace, right, the grace of Jesus Christ given to sinners in the gospel, does that encourage or justify us to continue in sin? Right, that's in general what Paul is tackling here in chapter 6. Because we have received grace, because we are saved by grace, because we are not saved by our works, does that encourage us to continue in sin? Right. Um, the answer is obviously, to, to all of us, no. But it's not such an obvious answer when you grow up under the law. right? And you are constrained by rules. And you are constrained by a system that is meant to keep you in a certain path. And then all of a sudden, the Gospel comes along and says, the law is not going to save you, it can't save you. you are no longer needing to submit to the law. And so the, the immediate question pops into the you know especially the Jewish mind in the first century, well then I can just do whatever I want. This, this grace idea gives me license to sin again and again and again. And so Paul starts off in verse 15 by giving a very firm negative answer to the question. Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. And so he'll go on through the next uh, eight verses and expound that. Um, Douglas Moo wrote a very good commentary on the book of Romans, and he says, Under Jewish premises, such a lawless situation would be assumed to foster sin. Christians would be no better than Gentile sinners. But Paul sees in God's grace not only a liberating power, but a constraining one. The constraint of a willing obedience that comes from a renewed heart and mind and ultimately the impulse and leading of God's Spirit. So it is true that grace liberates us from the condemnation uh, and from the rule of the law. But it does not free us unto sin. Right? It liberates us to a new master And it constrains us under that master. And that's what Paul's going to tackle here as he works through these verses. Um, So let's go right into verse 16 as Paul unfolds this argument. He says there, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Um, and this seems fairly obvious. If you present yourself to somebody as a slave, then you are a slave to that person. Right? It almost seems like he's saying the same thing twice. Um, I think the important thing for us to understand is that you are always, every single one of us, you are always presenting yourself to a master to serve them. Okay? And that's and, and Paul's going to touch on this in this verse he, because he gives two options. You are either presenting yourself as a slave to sin or you are presenting yourself as a slave of obedience. There, there is not a third option. Um, and, and if you think a little more deeply about this, it makes sense. In everything we do, we are either serving the Lord or we are not. The, our, our service to God Right, is what we are called to. It's what we're created for, um, and anything outside of serving God is sin. Right. So, so there is absolutely no possibility for neutral ground. Right. You are called to serve God, and if you're not doing that, you're sinning, and and there's no action, no thought, no attitude, no feeling that can be. Uh, anything other than those two options. So if I'm in a a conversation and somebody is frustrating and annoying me, I have the option to obey God and respond in truth and in love to that person or I have the option to be frustrated and angry and respond out of that. There's not a, a third option when it comes to obeying God or not obeying God. We are always doing one of those two things. Um, so therefore, you are always presenting yourself to a master.
1: It's, um, I think it's really intelligent that, that Paul puts this statement in there, um, even though in some sense it, it seems awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in our prideful hearts, it's so easy for us to think of the things in the world as being for our service mm-hmm. not our actions as being for service for other things mm-hmm. yeah. um, so <laughs> reminding people that however they act is actually a form of service to either sin mm-hmm. or God yeah. um, is really important in making sure that they under- can continue to understand the truth
0: yeah um This is, I think, so important to Hammer because we can easily feel neutral. Um, You know, like, yeah, this wasn't bad, this wasn't necessarily, you know, the best thing I could have done, but it's just kind of neutral. Um, And nothing is neutral. Because God has made us, he owns us, he has placed a call on every part of our lives Right? He has called us to, to love him with our heart, soul, mind, strength. Right? Every human being is commanded by God to serve Him. Right? And every human being from birth does not do that. Right? And so this this sin just permeates. And, and if you think about every decision you make, you know, every action that you take, all the thoughts that go through our minds, um. All the words we speak. We are either honoring God or we are sinning. And in those moments we are either presenting ourselves to God as his servant, or we are presenting ourselves to sin and declaring that sin in that moment is our master.
2: If I were to watch a ball game on Sunday afternoon,
1: which category would
0: that be? It depends. It depends. that's, that's very true. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. It doesn't mean there's not um you know gr- areas that may vary from person to person. There's conscience issues, there's you know, weak people and strong people. Some people are gonna sin in some areas where another person is not gonna sin. Um, so it's it's Paul's not here defining legalistically all of those things for us, but he is saying that in everything you do, you're doing one or the other. All right? You can watch a game to the glory of God. You can watch a game in sin. All right? Neutrality is not an option, and that is the huge point. Uh, moral freedom is an illusion created and sustained by Satan. Right? This, you are free morally um, and, and neutral. That that is an illusion. And not a reality. This also points to the absolute dire circumstances that we are in, um, because we are born into sin, right? We are born under a master that wants to kill us. <clears throat>
3: yeah, I like the way you put it. <clears throat> but it's not only that there's no such thing as neutrality from man to God, but there's no such thing as neutrality from law to man. From law to man. From law to man. In other words, okay. within man, Paul already made the argument in Romans too that whether it's either by special revelation to the Jew or natural revelation of mm-hmm. right and wrong to the conscience of man in yeah. a general sense, mm-hmm. they are submitted to a law of conscience. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no neutrality. Yeah. And either you break the law or you submit to the new law giver. Mm-hmm. Amen.
0: Amen. Yeah, it, it, this does apply to every single human being. Um, and and the, uh, the depressing thing, the the dire situation we are in is the reality that we are born into sin. Right? And we are born in the service of a master that we willingly desire and choose every day. Right? Before grace comes, we love the master of sin. Right? And in, in some ways, sure, we you know, hate some of the consequences and the effects of sin, but we're always turning to sin and to sinful things for our answers. Right? We're always seeking out an answer other than the Lord as sinners apart from grace right? and so we are in that sense submitting to sin and loving that master um, and that is an absolute dire situation because of what Paul says here about where this ends you are, you are either a master or a, a servant of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness And Paul's doing this because he's building an argument and a reason as to why you ought not submit yourself once again to sin. The reality is that for the Christian, grace has come and grace has brought freedom from your previous master. But that is not a freedom unto neutrality. That is a freedom that submits you to a new master. And that is a good, blessed, awesome thing that God has done for people. And so, if we are freed from sin and you are submitted to a new master, Paul is working here to to say, how could you go back? How could you contemplate returning to that master which leads to death, right? that master that wants to kill you, that master that enslaves you in a very detrimental way? And he does this by, like we just talked about before, going to the end of your enslavement and seeing what is at the end of both of these. If you are a slave to sin, if you love your sin, if you choose sin, that end is death. If you are a slave of God or of obedience, that ends in righteousness. That ends in life. Um, And so Paul is arguing for our active obedience to the Lord as we are saved, as we have received grace, um, we need to actively serve and obey our Father and submit to Him. Um, and so he's eliminating this, this possibility of, of being saved but not following the Lord. Right? Because that is completely opposed to the reality of salvation.
2: So one of the things that kind of happens in that scenario over time though is that stuff that is sin that you are maybe consciously not returning to Mm -hmm. is presenting itself to you in different scenarios right so like in my own Mm -hmm. walk in my own life alcohol played a big role in my life and so Mm -hmm. there were periods where alcohol was very present in my life and then it was cut off right for years but then it came back because it was a wedding, or a thing, or it, like, it's under control, so, or it's just beer, right? Yep. However, and now it's a hobby, right? And it's the same thing, but it came different, and eventually yep. it comes to a head, and it became a cyclical thing until, yeah. you know, the the head was finally cut off. And
0: yeah. So, that's yeah. a trapping that can happen, too, is it comes at you, look in a different way. Yeah. Um, and this is all throughout the scriptures. What we are called to um, is, is not something that we're going to purely 100% obey all the time, right? Um, we, are go- we see in this passage our high calling, and we are going to stumble and fall and get up and strive and fight to achieve this for the rest of our lives. You know, we're not going to all of a sudden just be enslaved to the Lord and never sin again. Um, but it's it 's still good to know what our high calling is to know what we 're striving for. you know we don 't as Christians strive for you know sixty percent faithful following of God that 's not the standard that 's set forth even if you look back on your life and you realize just use that number I followed Christ faithfully sixty percent of the time even if you look back and you see that still that 's not what we 're striving for, right grace covers us, but we don't allow grace to be a um, excuse for our sinfulness.
2: I would say uh, possibly all the time, but definitely a large percentage of the time, this enticement of sin is serving of self, self Mm -hmm. self-idolatry. And therefore you can see the difference between serving of, of the Lord or serving of self.
0: Yeah, yeah, Amen. So if we are born into sin, if we love sin, how does that change? And Paul starts to talk about that in verse 17. very first phrase, "...but thanks be to God." Thanks be to God, that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart (coughs) to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness." Only God can rescue us from the slavery that we were born into. right? Only God can rescue us from the slavery that we chose and loved every day of our unsaved lives. And that is where grace comes in and is just so beautiful to us. Um, and so clearly changing us from the inside out. So, so from start to finish, grace and your freedom from the master of sin is God's doing. We are born into sin. We are reborn by grace into the service of a new master. If you think about your life before Christ, um, you were perhaps unknowingly a willing slave of sin. Even if there were things in your life you disliked and you wish that you... you wish those things could be different... um, you actively chose and loved sin. Some more than others, but this is most evident in the reality that you never hated your sin enough to turn to God for change and for rescue. That is what it looks like to hate your sin. To turn to God for rescue. If, If you're not doing that, you don't hate sin. You might hate some effects of sin. You might say that you hate sin. But if you're not turning to God, you don't hate sin.
3: It's like the sober drunk, right? It's like the separation of the thing without the victory. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Paul's talked about this already in the first three chapters of Romans. right? People just absolutely, fully in sin. Loving it, committing it, choosing it. And so... Right in the middle of this passage, it is glorious that he says, But thanks be to God, that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Um, We always have to, as as we talk through deep theology, as we work through a book like Romans, you have to take these moments to pause and praise the Lord. because when you see the depths of sin that we were in in Romans 1-3, through when you think back on your own heart and the depths of sin in your own heart, you have to come to a passage like this, see that you have experienced grace, see that you are free from the master of sin, and say, thanks be to God. Right? Thanks be to God. Because you have a new heart. You have new desires. And for the first time as a Christian you have something that can now actually hate sin and love the Lord. And that's what you were created for. That's what you were made to do. And that is what is fulfilling. That is what gives us joy and hope. Um, That is everything that we were seeking in sin. All the promises that sin makes and never fulfills, all those beautiful truths that we are looking for are fulfilled in Christ, are fulfilled in the Gospel. God has broken the shackles of sin and so glad-hearted obedience can now become a reality. And Paul again reminds us of this because the temptation for the rest of our lives will be to go back to sin. But Paul reminds us of how glad our hearts ought to be for what has occurred and that should drive us to go to the Lord and away from sin All right, that should help us in the fight against the master of sin
2: um, could something be sin to someone and not sin to someone else mm-hmm. and if so that would mean that sin is not necessarily something that um, uh, how should I say it uh, Categorized uh, as as this is
0: sin and this isn't sin. Yeah, and certainly there's obvious cases of sin. Um, You know, murder, right? Um, Hating someone, Uh, you know, for example. um, Although the righteous hatred of God is not sin, so there's a little nuance there. Um, But there's obvious sins that are going to be applicable to everyone. You know, on Earth, but in, in First Corinthians, Paul talks about the the issue of eating meat sacrificed to idols, and he, and he says this is clearly an issue of conscience. And if somebody has a problem with this and they could, they eat that, it's going to be sin. If somebody doesn't have a problem with this and they eat the meat, it's not going to be sin. So there are also those areas where sin is not cut and dry.
2: Mike brought up a, a, a good um, category of um, drinking
0: alcohol.
2: Hmm? Uh, some people, if, if they drink, it's an issue to them. Yep. Yeah. And, and it changes their lives and their relationships and yeah.
1: everything about their life changes and other people they have a few drinks and
0: yep. no issue Yeah, and, and maybe a good question as we go through life is to ask ourselves in specific moments what master am I submitting to right now right? we can kind of look at our own hearts many times and just ask okay what am I aiming at here what am I pursuing who, who am I trying to serve right now um, is it the Lord? And if it's not the Lord, guess what, Master, it is. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, there's there's two options there. So God has handed us over as believers to the standard of teaching to which we were committed, as He says here at the end of verse 17. And I think there He's highlighting the 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 idea that the Christian life is is grounded. It's not lived in a a, a nebulous realm of grace that is undefined. Certainly there are conscience issues, certainly there are things that are going to differ from, from person to person, but when we're considering the issue of grace, being under grace and not the law, right? the temptation is to say, well then you don't know what to do. You don't have any sort of standard. And Paul says, no, you have been Committed to a standard of teaching, right? The, the gospel calls us to action. The gospel gives us the way to live. Um, it is not legalistic, but we are still called to obey. And there are specific ways—many specific ways. Especially when you read through, you know, Matthew five through seven, there are many specific ways that we are called to live. Um, and not only not only there, but throughout the rest of the New Testament. Um, The gospel and the commands of Christ mold us and teach us and guide us. Um, And yet we remain under grace. We are not under the strict legalistic condemnation of a law that cannot save. Um, We talked about verse 18 a little bit already. We have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. Um, Again, a passive act or something that is passively happening to us. We have been set free. We have become slaves of righteousness. That is not an active thing that we have gone out and done. Um, Rather, that is something that God has done in the Gospel, in Christ, Mm -hmm. and therefore, it is something that we are now to pursue and continue to work at doing. But this is something that is done by God. Again, God is completely sovereign and we are completely responsible all glory goes to him and yet our effort is needed day by day verse 19 I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness so now present your members as slaves to to righteousness leading to sanctification. So, is this an insult specific to the Roman Church? I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations? Or can I call all of us this morning here limited? all hmm
4: so no it's not in itself. especially given what you said about obeying the form of teaching and delivered to you they continue to learn things they have spiritual maturity it's sure. not a physical limitation it's likely certainly not an intellectual but it's a spiritual yeah. limitation at this point
0: yeah um, why do <laughs> preachers use good analogies?
2: to make it more
0: understandable yeah to people yeah it, it really helps us <laughs> It really helps us and Paul says I'm using this analogy because it's helpful and because you need it right it helps you understand because you do not have a perfectly wise sanctified mind yet but right? you're not going to fully completely understand these things this isn't you know a, a moral failing on your part it's not that um, you know you just dropped out of school in the third grade and you just can't understand basic things. This is the reality of us dealing with spiritual truths. We're not going to get it fully and so these things are helpful.
2: If if sin is fun, does that mean when I get saved I can't have fun?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can't have sinful fun. Um,
3: Only at Gary George's house.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um... Sin isn't fun. For a short
5: time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and
0: I I understand very well the attraction of it. And we always talk about this at youth group. Wait five minutes after the sin is over. And and think about that. The guilt comes, the shame comes, the, the broken relationships, whatever it is. It, it never is ultimately fun um, and and yes it is alluring it's enticing but that's the promise of sin right come to me and I will give you all these joys and pleasures and then you do and it gives you none of them because it can't right um, and so the beauty of the gospel is is that there is true joy and happiness that lasts and that doesn't come with shame and guilt and, and, and oh yeah
3: well, you know, the victim mentality of the world and the culture has crept into the church. Hmm. And, you know, basically Paul's saying here that God still holds us accountable to live to Christ. Mm-hmm. To learn, to grow, and to live yeah. in the spirit. Paul covers this in Galatians, what it means to be living in the spirit. Yeah. And that's the new model of the new covenant. Living according to the word of God and the spirit of God Mm -hmm. rather than according to the law and your own standards that will always fail. I I witnessed the gospel to a Mexican fellow years ago down in Mexico and uh, he wanted to talk to me so we set up a a time and got together and he told me about his own moral code that he had set for himself to be a good person. Yeah. And I said, okay, so what's your, what's your percentage of success? <laughs> and he failed his own test. Mm-hmm. And he said, that will be your life experience. Mm. And um, if we put the law as the standard, right. we're always going to fail as Christians. Right. But we can't use it as an excuse to sin because right. of our failure. Right. We're not victims. We are our own problem. Yeah. And that's why I really believe yeah. in it. Paul interjects pretty quickly about this teaching this instruction that we have learned from Mm
0: -hmm. how to be a Christian discipleship is a serious thing and uh, and it's as we're reading the cost of discipleship in our small groups and it's uh, by Dietrich Bonhoeffer it's it is so excellent and and he is just so good at challenging you to, to think about how you're Following Christ. Um, And man, it's tough at at points. Justin.
1: Just a quick one about the conversation we were having about the attractiveness of sin. Mm. We see it in the Genesis account. Um, Yeah. After after Satan talks to Eve, it says um, so that when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make more all of those are talking about the attractiveness of mm-hmm. the we know that where that gets done yeah. is, is death and confirmation mm-hmm. you know, so it, it's obviously very appealing to us you know, yeah. especially when um, Satan brings the seeds to encourage that yeah. um, but we see the reality pulled without
0: yeah. and back to Gary's question about fun yeah, think about the garden of Eden before sin and if you want to contemplate fun in that context, um, perfect happiness and joy.
5: There's an animal parade. Uh, right? <laughs>
0: like walking with the Lord in the garden. Um, not fighting nature as you work to get food. Um, not having a- any pain, any sorrow. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like the word "fun" because it it just sounds trivial and, and almost selfish. But if if you're looking for a place where fun was defined and pure, uh, it doesn't get any better.
5: <coughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah. yeah, Yeah. and it's it's more fun because the next day there's not the shame and the guilt that come with our sinful actions the day before right you know so Gary
2: there was a popular singer back in the uh, late 60s early 70s his uh, song went to the top of a chart it was called the evil destruction the the singer's name was Barry Maguire Hmm. Barry Maguire became a Christian uh, he actually changed the lyrics of the song because it almost sounds, uh, uh, you know, uh, apocalyptic and it <laughs> has a ring of, 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 truth to it. Anyway, he changed the lyrics to. But anyway, um, when he was in the limelight in the country, he wasn't he wasn't a Christian, and as a result, he was able to mix in with the big bands and the big, big name singers around the country. But he said that he was in the presence of uh, at one of these parties with Frank Sinatra. And he said, that, you know, Frank had been drinking as usual, and he was punching the wall. Frank Sinatra was punching the wall and just saying, I'm a miserable man, I'm a miserable man. Yeah. And they're not really, yeah. that's powerful. Yeah. When someone to that degree of, mm-hmm. of prominence and yeah. uh, a celebrity like that is acting in that fashion, it tells you that the outside is not what you judge a man by, yeah. but what's on the inside. Yeah. So internally, he was mm-hmm. very miserable. Amen. He actually tried to commit suicide three times. Wow. I read mm-hmm. that about Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He what's tried that. commit... tried to a hero? <laughs> 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 I said he tried to commit suicide three times. Frank <laughs> Sinatra. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was married to Marilyn Monroe. Is that right? No. 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 I don't think so.
0: They probably one I think we're, I think we're running down a rabbit trail here. Let's. Yeah, <laughs> we're <laughs> we're <coloring laughs> from. Thin. Worse than, worse than teaching youth group. All right, so, <laughs> <let's>, uh, <laughs> so analogies are helpful. Yes, brother. You know, I find it amazing, even with my.
1: I find it amazing that God loves us mm. so much, mm. that we should be so excited to follow Him. And yet, the being that hates us, could care less about us, mm. we look to follow Him. Mm. Because He gives us false promises, yeah. and God gives us eternal promises mm-hmm. and joy in living in Him now. Yep. Get
0: it. Yeah. it. I don't get it. Yeah. So many times. Yeah. We'll, we'll never look back from heaven and say I wish I sinned a little more. You know? Not for a second.
3: You know you have to see it as a cause of warfare too. Mm-hmm. If we don't we're going to lose. Yeah. I mean it's a battle against sin, Satan and the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of the day we need, to, we need the resources of God to the work of the Spirit. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's a battle. Yeah. It, it's not just a simple, oh I just need to you know, think about this more and fight harder. We're, we're fighting, we're fighting a evil, right, being that knows us really well and has our sinful nature to work with. So. Um, I just wanna say that some, I, I think
5: this is a great discussion, but sometimes a focus on sin is also something that the devil uses. Mm-hmm.
0: you mm-hmm.
5: have to be so careful and I think that yeah. Romans going to say that to you because Paul ends up saying what a wretched man I am yeah. that is what this discussion is going to bring out in a Christian is like I can't do this I'm Christ mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and that right there is the sun shining yeah. the not like trying to figure out things. thing yeah Yeah. Yes, I need Christ and I can't focus on myself and my performance because it's just going to be frustration yeah.
0: I'm wretched. Yeah. But, Christ like, mm-hmm. is there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there needs to be, and that's a great point, there needs to be a moving from sin to something else.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It right? So, So, if you are just trying to fight sin and just get rid of those desires, that's maybe even less than half the battle, right? We need to replace those desires with godly loves and desires, right? That's what God does at salvation. He gives us a love and a desire for Him, and that's what we need to grow. And Paul does a great job of, of pointing us to that here in this passage, right? He says, you were slaves of this, and so the implication is, continue to fight that old slavery, right? Um, but you are now slaves of righteousness, and the implication there is pursue that, right? Run after that slavery. Um, and, and a great analogy, because we don't love the idea of slavery um, and, and constraints that, that brings to our minds, but, but think about the analogy of a fish swimming in water, fully constrained and enslaved to that environment. Is a fish constrained by his environment? Yes. Right? But but is it a really good slavery for him to stay in water? Otherwise he dies. Right, otherwise he dies. Right? And, and so our, our enslavement to God right, is not this constraining, oh, I wish I didn't have to be here. It is the most freeing slavery that a human being can have. Mm-hmm. Right? We are exactly where we were created to be, and constrained by the Lord, but so comfortable, and it feels so appropriate.
4: Some of the uh, confusion that might come with that term, the original Greek term, mm-hmm. and that Greco-Roman culture might meant slave, but in Old Testament understanding, particularly in Isaiah, that, that term that came to be translated slave, which in other translations is servant, mm-hmm. is much closer, mm-hmm. to, you know, like the servant songs in Isaiah and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you. Devoting a fully volitional, free will service to God yeah. from a will that He freed, <laughs> mm-hmm. of course, right? Yeah. So it's that term slavery can, I think, create confusion.
0: Yeah, especially with our history in America, yeah. our our understanding of slavery um, certainly not the same as what Paul is referring yeah. to here, um, but. It, that's why for me at least the the idea of a slavery that is completely freeing and is exactly what I'm designed for is really helpful. That's why the, the, the fish analogy was helpful for me. I think I read it in the commentary actually. Um, but this idea that yes, I'm constrained under the Lord, but it is the most beautiful, appropriate, wonderful constraint that I could ever live in. The love of Christ
3: amen. constrains
0: us, brother. Mm, amen.
3: It is a good thing that the
2: heart be established with grace. Mm. And I think grace should be what governs our life. And it's mm. not that, you know, we can't do this, we can't do that, and so on. One verse that I think kind of summarizes the Christian life uh, is, is uh, Romans fourteen seventeen. 17. So the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy... In the Holy Spirit. Yep. What would anybody want more than yep. that? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Yep. The world's not going
0: to give that to you. Yeah. And so Paul encourages us here Romans 14, in verse 19, after he says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. <clears throat> for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification and and as we look towards turning from sin and to following the Lord as Shanda was pointing out this is a great thing to, to think about in terms of how we do this so you can think back and think about how you freely gave yourself to some sins um, or, or how you truly enjoyed and loved some sins. Maybe think back to ways that you found time for sin. Made time for it. Or think back to some of the ways that you might have justified your actions um, so that you could feel okay about your sin. So Paul says, in the same way that you used to give yourself to sin, now give yourself to righteousness. Right? So, so make time for Obedience. Make time for righteousness, as it were. Freely and willingly give yourself to God. Truly enjoy and love obedience and righteousness. Right? It's a from and to. And now that we have been transitioned by God's grace, the call is to continue in that. And to push forward. In this new life that we have, it's righteousness, it's obedience, it's slavery to our new master. um, And it's a beautiful, good thing that we ought to be pursuing daily. It's never going to be fully realized in this life. um, And by grace, we can be declared to be slaves of God, right? Slaves to righteousness. We're never going to fully get there because we are going to continue to sin. But it's going to be glorious to one day be with the Lord and to be fully alive in Him, fully slaves to Him, fully, as it were, swimming in that grace right? and not mastered by sin anymore.
4: I think the, the verse in Galatians says you are no longer slaves to sons.
0: Mm, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. I think it's in Galatians. Yeah, no longer slaves, but sons. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
4: uh, <laughs> mm. Amen.
0: Amen. But
3: what's interesting, though, Paul's preaching the gospel here, and, and it's really important to understand that he approaches it from a certain theological perspective to give us the foundation of why we believe what we believe and why we live the way we live. And without theological understanding of these truths, yeah. we will be very, you could say, emotionally moved mm-hmm. by our sin mm-hmm. and by our thoughts mm-hmm. and by and by our defeat and even by our successes because they'll be fleeting. Yeah. There is something very substantive in relationship to having a relationship with Christ and it has a very deep theological foundation to it. Yeah. So it's really important. I've met so many Christians who who talk themselves out of success over sin. Mm. Just because they let their emotions get the betterment of it. Yes. Rather than understanding these are the deep, Calvary-centered truths of the victory of Christ when he said
0: it's finished. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting how Paul says that I'm using the, He says he's using this analogy just to, to help us because we're, we're limited um, we have to always remember that analogies break down and I think if we think too much about slavery we'll, we'll enter into some of those those darker areas of slavery where we think about it as you know oh just like beaten service or you know I have to do this um, and so remembering other scriptures um, like you guys just pointed out about how we're sons and bringing those into our understanding is really helpful yes we are called slaves and that's helpful we also have to always re- we always also have to remember that we are sons and daughters of our father in heaven right and we are serving him fully in a slavery type of way but we are loved as his children as well right and so we, we bring the appropriate truths from each of these analogies and into our into bring our understanding to a fullness so verse 20 after the command in verse 19 to present yourself to righteousness he says in verse 20 and he's kind of supporting that, that command for, for when you were slaves of sin you were free in regard to righteousness but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed for the end of those things is death but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life these stakes are eternally high right? we, we ought to Obey the call to give ourselves to righteousness, to obey God, to give ourselves to sanctification, because the stakes are eternally high. This is why you ought to present yourself as a slave of righteousness. Because the end of sin is eternal death. But the end of obedience to God is eternal life. It is simple, it is profound. And it is what we need to remember as we consider a temptation to sin tomorrow. As believers, we are covered in grace. We are saved by grace. And that will not change. But when you see a temptation <coughs> to sin coming, that, you need to remember that that sin wants to kill you eternally. That's its desire. That's its goal. Right? But the call of God to obedience is one leading to eternal life. And so that might help us in our fight as temptations come. We have been given to a new master. We are finally able to hear God's commands and to respond and to be righteous in Christ. Sin is unsatisfying in this life. It is eternally unsatisfying in the next life. Right, Righteousness is satisfying in this life and it is eternally life-giving in the next. So has Paul made a good argument in response to the question of verse 15? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? Has he argued well? Well, it's inspired scripture, so he's obviously <laughs> argued well, right? Right. Um, but I think as we study through this, we can see that he's argued well. right? And he has presented this. This is not just a, oh, I, I'm i free from condemnation. I can do what I want. It is a completely different discussion. Right? You have been brought into a beauty and a reality into in which you ought to live. And he finishes with the famous verse of his, this section. For the wages of sin is death, but... The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I want to finish with just some things for us to think about and to apply. <clears throat> um, if you're not sure if you're saved, or if you think about, or if you've heard this this passage this morning and you're wondering who is your master. That, that is a great question to consider. Who is your master? Um, and what you ought to do from this passage is to look at what you willingly give yourself to. Right? Anybody who presents themselves to sin is a slave of sin. If you present yourself to God, you are a slave of God. So if you're wondering who your master is, remember, we're not neutral. Look at your actions, your thoughts, and see what you're willingly giving yourself to. And then it might be a good question for just some internal, um, for some introspection, looking into your own heart. Um. Hmm?
2: I I heard one of the representatives, a Republican on the Judiciary Committee, say this in the course of the impeachment uh, process that's going on. Because that the person is identified by two things, what they spend their money on and what they spend their time on, I thought that was a very good one. Mm-hmm. Like he was probably quoting somebody, mm-hmm. I, I think, I don't recall, but that stuck in my mind. It made me think about, you know, how do I spend my time and what do I spend my money on? Yeah. I think those two things can sort of zoom in on where you're at in your life.
0: Yeah, amen. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> If you're a believer, uh, the call of this passage is to live out who you truly are in Christ. Right? You are a slave of a loving Master. And so the challenge and the thing we need to remember daily is to live that out. Right? To not go back to the old Master. Um, we have been transferred from death to life. And, and if we're going to fight sin, it's usually most effective to pursue righteousness... Right? Um, if you just keep telling yourself no, 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 realistically, you're going to give in to sin eventually. But but if you're saying no to sin and yes to the Lord and you're pursuing righteousness, you're, you're feeding those new desires when you do that. Right? And you're finding joy in following the Lord. And as you do that, sin becomes less attractive. And so it's so much easier to say no to it. Because you look at it and you say, why would I go back to you when I have... Something so much better.
4: Miss the leeks and onions. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, But Joshua and Caleb missed the leeks and onions less than the others, right? Because they loved the Lord and they loved the promised land that He had promised to them.
4: Right. Mm. Yeah. Uh,
0: the Old Testament saints were looking forward to a better country. And so they had no opportunity to return. right If they had been thinking about the previous country, they would have opportunity to return. But they were fixed on a better country.
5: Um, just back in verse 16 where it says for us to present ourselves, mm. I think that, that that's the key. Where 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 are we presenting ourselves? Are we rising in the morning with all of our expectations, what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to accomplish? You know, And is that in alignment with the kingdom of mm. God? And, you yes. know, I, I feel like there's a big piece of taking that out first fruit of the day and presenting yourself that makes you align with the will of the Father. Not
0: perfectly. Yeah, it's a great picture. You know, kind of like Isaiah. Here I am. Send me. Um, I'm here. I'm your servant, Lord. Where are we going today? All right. Um, And finally, we ought to worship God for his gracious salvation. Right. You are going to stumble and fall as you work to present yourself to Christ that is not going to affect your salvation as a Christian. That is not going to change the grace he has bestowed upon you. Um, we are to work and present ourselves as slaves to righteousness. But at the end of the day we will worship and cast our crowns before the throne because it was all of grace. Um, so we can do that this morning as we go upstairs. I'm reminded that it's all him, right from start to finish. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. God, we ask that you would save any here who are um, just loving sin and would you please show them that it is deadly and it does not want anything good for them and all its promises are empty. And Father, I pray for us as those who have been graciously called and saved and loved by you, I pray that you would help us to love you more, to serve you more and to just continue to turn from sin to you. Um, To the glory of your name. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.